All right, here we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here every Sunday morning at 8 on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM at 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. Me and social media director Spencer The Wiz Ostrovsky. Uh, yeah, that's right. Spencer has his own uh, theme music, but we're coming to you live from Spencer's studio, also known as the Wisden, and Chris Magnum Chapman, who is also the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights radio network, is producing the show back in the Fox Sports Residential Bait Corp studio. The reason we are separated, we're here, these here. He's there, I should say, is because uh, for two and a half years now, the pandemic that began in March of 2020 continues to continues to keep the majority of us um, at Fox Sports Radio out of the studios and working remotely. Uh, the show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Adeline Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp Studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. And don't forget to ask about the new incredible discounted payment options um, on move-in ready Wedgwood homes available right now all over Las Vegas, call 702-964-5720 for details and to get information on all the home financing options available in the state of Nevada on tap. Uh, the less than one month away we are, I should say, from the start of the preseason for the Vegas Golden Knights. And the question remains, will the goaltending situation change before the regular season begins. We'll talk about that. The UNLV football season kicked off yesterday with a lopsided win. Raiders ended their preseason undefeated. Is that a good thing? Well, the Ravens have been undefeated the preseason for over seven years. We'll talk some NFL and some fantasy football. The Las Vegas Aces are set to tip off in a couple of hours in the WNBA semifinals. And the Las Vegas Aviators wrap up a 12-game homestand tonight. Um, at the Las Vegas ballpark. That's what's on tap if you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own. Choose a company you can trust, Residential Bank Corp, Funding America, one neighborhood at a time. Again, don't forget to ask about Wedgwood homes that are available right now, move-in ready, and tremendous offers, including discounted rates and the lowest of payments on homes in available in Nevada right now. Uh, Residential Bay Corp again funding one America at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details on your home finding financing options uh, today. And we'll get right into this uh, as we get into nightcap today, guys. Pretty exciting, pretty cool. And um, let's get this thing up and rolling. Nightcap. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time 
for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. All right. There we go. So let me see. Can I hear you now, Spence? I think I hear a little bit now. Better. I was having some technical difficulties hearing everybody, but um, real quickly, you know, nightcap talking about the Vegas Golden Knights and Mags is back in studio. The same question continues to linger uh, regarding the Vegas Golden Knights goaltender situation. Um, also, of course, Phil Kessel, the newest member of the Vegas Golden Knights, decides he's going to wear number eight. Uh, people, I'm getting a lot of questions as to what what makes Phil Kessel good or why bring him in. The one thing I'll say is number one. He's a solid NHL player. He will put the puck in the net. He doesn't get hurt a lot. Yeah, he's in his early 30s. But um, the best thing about Phil Kessel is he's cheap. One-year contract, $1.5 million. Chris, I don't think you can go wrong with that. No, I mean, the, Brian, the reality is they, they needed to sign another forward. Um, they, they were going to, to have to either bring up a guy from the AHL or find a, a guy on the market who – fit the bill of what they were looking for, and that's an established player who has a track record of scoring goals. Uh, Phil Phil Kessel, by the way, one goal away from 400 for his career, and I think it's 44 points away from 1,000 career points. So as long as he, he does what he did last year, he's going to, well, obviously his next goal will be a milestone, but he had 52 points last year. Only eight of those were goals, but he's a guy who's a a, a career, you know, 20 goal a season uh, goal scorer. Um, he, he said when he spoke with the media that last year he felt was an anomaly as far as his, his goal numbers going down. Let's be honest, the Coyotes sucked. You know, it, it it's he made the comment multiple times that when he signed it sounded like the, the franchise was committed to winning and they were going to go out and you know, they were knocking on the doorstep of the, of the playoffs not too long ago. They didn't make it, but they were there and they had guys like him, Oliver Ekman, Larson, Jacob Chikrin, um, Connor, um, God, I'm blanking on Garland, who who they traded away. You know, this was a franchise that was that had a lot of good young players, and rather than commit, they blew it all up because of their arena situation. So it's an awful, awful franchise. I almost slipped and, and used a, a four letter word to to describe them, but they're an awful franchise. So uh, for him to have a fresh start in a place like Vegas, where where he knows that, that that there's a commitment to winning. There's a commitment to going out and trying to to put this team in the playoffs every single season because the ownership is committed to doing that. Bill Foley wants to win a Stanley Cup. I have no idea what the owners of the Arizona Coyotes want to do, but last year was an anomaly. He said, and and I I, I believe him. You know, he still had 52 points. That's a lot of points, Brian. Um, so. I, I think it's a good signing, and the the key word that you mentioned was cheap. Uh, one point five million is not going to harm the Golden Knights. It's not going to make a, a dent in their salary cap situation. Uh, he's a guy who who this season should hit some 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 milestones because the other thing is he's eight games away from breaking uh, Keith Yandel's Ironman record for most games played in an. Uh, you know, in a row in the NHL, which is pretty remarkable because you mentioned he, he's a guy who doesn't miss a lot of time. He's a guy who doesn't miss any time. So uh, that's something that the Golden Knights need, a guy who can put the puck in the net, a guy who can find ways to put points on the board for the team and stay healthy. Yeah. 
You know, you mentioned something with with Logan Thompson, or, or I, I think you're going to get to it, and and I'll I'll digress until you bring that up. But I think the Phil Kessel signing is 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 a good signing for the Golden Knights. Um, you know, I I think it's certainly one of those moves that. You, you, you need to make. You need a veteran guy like that. Look, he's won multiple Stanley Cups with the Penguins, so he's going to bring that into the locker room that already has Alec Martinez and Alex Petrangelo, guys who've also won Stanley Cups. So, I mean, there, there, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a track record here of guys like him coming and, and, and having success. No, I agree with you, Chris. And, and, and again, as you mentioned, cheap and we staying healthy. Two huge things right now for the Golden Knights who have been battling the salary cap all offseason long to make things fit and put the round, uh, the round pegs into the square holes. And, yeah, I am going to talk about the goaltender situation, Chris. It just seems to be something that Knights management are trying to brush under the rug and almost lure us into believing that they are comfortable with, uh, you know, Michael Hutchinson and as the backup to Logan Thompson until Laurent Brossois is healthy. And I don't like any of it. I like Logan Thompson a lot. I don't like throwing it to the Wolves. People argue and say, he's 26 years old. It's time. I mean, if he's ever going to do it. Look at the kid's story, what has got him to this point. He is ready to make the jump to the NHL. We saw it. 20 games last year, he kept the Golden Knights in the running up until the very last couple of games of the season. And as you mentioned, Chris, you know, 52 points, no slouching a team that had the most points of any team that didn't make the playoffs and had they made the playoffs, I know I've beaten this horse into the Elmer glue factory but had they made the playoffs last season they would have made the playoffs missing the most man hours due to injury than any team in the history of the NHL making the playoffs another record the Golden Knights would have held for overachieving and over accomplishing, uh, but that All that being said, a ton is expected of this team. This team is built to win now. And, you know, we were talking about this last night at uh, the UNLV game, or I should say yesterday afternoon, that suddenly, all of a sudden, six years into it, the Golden Knights have gotten old. And, you know, we're, it's somewhat joking around. It's not like they're old men. But this went from a young team of misfits to a team of veterans now that's expected to win or compete for a Stanley Cup. And right now, I do not believe with their last line of defense with his goaltending is in place. They don't have the pieces in place to win a Stanley Cup. I think Logan Thompson is a tremendous complimentary goaltender. I think he has earned his right to be on a bench, to be at least on the bench for the Vegas Golden Knights and he'll see he'll see the net you know, maybe one every four or five games, but if you're asking this kid to go from 20 games last year being thrown in the fire to 55 plus games this season, you're asking too much. You know, we we talked a lot, you know, Chris, a couple weeks ago, you know, we were talking about the, the Golden Knights potentially acquiring Jake Allen from the Montreal Canadiens. I don't think that's completely out of the question. I do believe behind the scenes, all kinds of things are going on. And I want to throw something at you, Chris, and what you think about this. You know, after failing to make any moves this offseason, the pressure is really on uh, Lou, La um, I, I can't pronounce his last name, I think it's uh, Lamarillo, you know, in the New York Islanders. Lou Lamarillo, yeah. Yeah, Lamarillo. This is a team that lacks offensive talent, though they do have the luxury of having two number one goalies under contract. You know, uh, Sorokin has established himself as the team's future in net. No question about it. And put together a 2021-22 season that had some believing he should have been a, a Vesna Trophy candidate. His rise has resulted in less playing time for Simeon Valarmov, 
who is an interesting trade target for many teams, given that he is still very much capable of being a number one netminder and only has one season remaining on his contract with a cap hit of $5 million. Okay, the Islanders desperately need to add some talent up front. So this, guys, you're going to hate me out there, but this perhaps can convince Lamarillo, uh, McCrimmon can convince Lamarillo, excuse me, to ship Vlarmov to the, you know, to the Golden Knights in exchange for maybe a player like, oh, God, don't hate me, like William Carlson. Carlson only earns $900,000 more a year, though he does have four additional seasons remaining on that contract, meaning a sweetener such as maybe a draft pick might need to be thrown in as well. At the very least, it's worth trying if you're the Vegas Golden Knights of McCrimmon in search of goaltending options. I love Valarmov, Chris. I know you do too. I hate the thought of letting somebody like Carlson get away, but you've got to have a proven goaltender especially if you're trying to compete for a Stanley Cup and that's exactly what the Vegas Golden Knights are doing right now. Um, I'm I'm going to disagree with you for for the simple reason that this is a team that needed offense last year. They they lacked it big time, especially down the stretch. I think William Carlson is a guy who's going to flourish in Bruce Cassidy's system because it's a defensive first system, but it allows for a guy like William Carlson to be creative when he has the puck. I don't think Pete DeBoer's system really, and, and it's not to say that Pete DeBoer's not a good coach. It's just that sometimes guys in certain systems just don't operate well. And I think that 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 Pete DeBoer's system and William Carlson were a bit like oil and water and where he didn't have the ability to be as creative with the puck as he did under Gerard Gallant. Bruce Cassidy is a guy who who's going to preach this team, go out and, and win games two to one, three to two. That's the way he wants to win games, but he wants to he wants to have a lot of success on the power play. The guy loves the power play, and William Carlson is a guy who excels on the power play. I don't think that that. I I mean I do think I, I will say this. I'm not sure how I feel about. Logan Thompson and Loren Brossois as your number one and two. I think I think this the world is the potential for for Logan Thompson. I, I think Logan Thompson has the potential to be a really good goalie because he seems to have that that Jordan Binnington in him where he's a little he's a little bit snarky, which is kind of good. But he's also a guy who who everyone everywhere he's been has said he's just not good enough or he he's got a chip on his shoulder. And I think that drives a guy like him. Look, I'm not saying the guy's going to go out and win the Vesna, but I do think they need to. If he, if this is the plan, I think they need to go out and get a a solid number two. Um, and you know, I, I I don't think we've saw anything out of Loren Brossois last year to make us think that he's a guy who you can rely on to be a a backup, especially when you're going to be playing a rookie 50, 55 times a season. Uh, look, I mean, the reality is the Golden Knights are are in a little bit of a sticky situation, A, because of the salary cap, and B, because the guy that you you signed to be your your rock in the net is now going to be missing the entire season. Uh, look, I mean, we can't go back and change things, obviously, but this is a situation where, unfortunately for the Golden Knights, they made it, and they're, they're now going to have to live with this, and this is, it, it sucks, you know, because I I like Robin Leonard a lot. I think I think he's a tremendous human being, 
And it sucks that this happened to him. And and to me, it still it still pisses me off the way the fans treat the guy. But that's neither here nor there. The reality is the Golden Knights are in a situation now where they're going to have to get by with Logan Thompson. And unless they they go out and do something drastic, and I don't I don't know what they're going to be able to do. I still think the guy like Jake Allen is a possibility. Um, I mentioned a few weeks ago. I, I I'm really intrigued by the Jonas Kurpasalo because he only signed a one-year deal in Columbus, and he's still a relatively young goalie who a few years ago was was one of the best-rated goalie prospects in the entire NHL. So I, 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 I th- let me ask you this. What about the Sharks? I mean, they pretty much decide on Kokanen is going to be, or Kokanen's going to be their yeah, number one goalie. Kokanen, yeah. They've got Raymer and they've got Aiden Hill. They're going to dump one of those two guys. I, I what think about picking up somebody like that? I think James Reimer is interesting. Uh, he he could certainly be an interesting number two. I mean, he's certainly not a young a young cat, so to speak. But uh, James Reimer is an interesting one. I I think that he'll end up beating out Aiden Hill. I'm not. I I don't think Aiden Hill. I I certainly wouldn't want him on this team. I, I just don't think he's good enough. Um, you know, I mean, look. The, the the reality is there's a lot of bad goalies out there, and there's very few good ones. So it's a situation where the Golden Knights can't get caught again overpaying. For a guy, they're going to have to watch the waiver wire. I mean, look, guy, it's funny you mentioned uh, what was it, Wedgwood Holmes in the in the first uh, in, in your intro. Uh, but there's a guy out there named Scott Wedgwood, right? Who who went to Dallas last year and and had a pretty good second half of the season. He was he he's kind of a of, of a guy who's who's a bit of a, a a traveled guy, I guess is probably a way to put it. But Scott Wedgwood would, would be an interesting name to keep an eye on too and see what happens. He may end up being the number two guy in Dallas behind. Uh, Ottinger, the Otter, but we'll we'll have to wait and see, Brian. I mean, training camp is going to be so intriguing because this is like a fresh start for the Golden Knights. It, it almost feels like it's a brand new team, even though it's a lot of the same guys. But because last year was just such a terrible season in terms of injuries and and everything, every it, it was a Murphy's Law season. Everything that could have gone wrong for this team went wrong. So I can't wait for camp. We're only about two weeks away from the start of camp, and Brian, we're only. What less than a month away from the first yeah, the preseason game? So, yeah, yeah, the end of September we start uh, the preseason. I'm looking forward to it too, Chris. It's going to be very intriguing this year. I still think McCrimmon and the Vegas Golden Knights brass are scrambling to find somebody to bring in here. And you know, you mentioned Logan Thompson again, and we you know talking about him, and no question he deserves a shot, maybe even to be the number one goalie at the beginning. And as of right now, I believe he is with Leonard Shelf for the entire season. But again. One thing is you talk about guys with chips on their shoulder. I think guys like that perform better when the pressure is really on him because people don't believe him. As you mentioned, Logan Thompson, people have passed on him left and right or at least passed on their thoughts of him being a successful netminder in the NHL. And I think that does bode well for him. He has shined with that moniker. Well, I think if you don't have somebody pushing him, somebody that he can learn from again, and that's why I mentioned a guy like Valarmov to come over that is an established former number one goaltender in the league that has had really good success at times, 
that could prove that could make Logan Thompson continue to bring out the best in him and maybe by midseason really establish himself as a guy moving forward for the Vegas Golden Knights or some team in the NHL. But I think without that kind of pressure, Hutchinson and Brossois do not bring that kind of attention where he's really got to worry about one of them taking his place. I think his biggest fear is who are they going to bring in? And if they bring in nobody, all of a sudden, yeah, there's still the chip, but it's like, hey, they're now patting him on the back and saying, we're going to give you this shot. I like it, but I still think you want somebody that makes him think, okay, I'm getting this shot, but I got to play my best and keep that chip on his shoulder. Um, It's going to be really interesting, and I'm looking forward to it. Guys, I want to move over to UNLV now because UNLV started their season yesterday and um very very interesting game intriguing in the respect that you had two really bad teams if you base the records on last year cumulatively three wins between these two teams last year uh idaho state the Bengals, a brand new head coach starting a tenure at a school we have just a terrible football program right now and we all know what unlv has been over the past several years a team's tr- desperately trying to not only establish wins but to establish some kind of an identity uh marcus arroyo definitely has not been a favorite of the media here by any means i don't think anyone really cares about that they want to see unlv win and if marcus arroyo wants to hide out and not talk to the media that's completely his prerogative if they start putting victories on the board uh that will bode very well for him and and he won't but you know um that aside this is a team with a lot of question marks you know they bring in a couple of transfers from big schools a quarterback from tennessee a wide receiver from my alma mater uh michigan state and by the way ricky white looked pretty damn good yesterday if you watch it ran away from the defense on a on a long touchdown pass the team scored five touchdowns uh cumulatively in the second quarter yesterday brumfield who was hurt most of last season when he did look like promising he's tall in stature lanky he looks like a quarterback has the size of an NFL quarterback just needs to put out a little more bulk. Uh, that's a ridiculous statement. I'm not saying he is an NFL quarterback. I'm saying he's got that size. He's tall. He's lanky. He can see over the offensive line and over the defensive line. Those are big things at, at the collegiate level. He throws a good pass and he can scramble. And he looked very efficient yesterday. Very few mistakes. But again, he's playing against a team that had one win that is god awful. Uh, they stayed with UNLV and a huge dropped interception in the first half if that's picked off by Idaho State it could have been a completely different game it went from a dropped interception right in this defensive back's hands to a UNLV touchdown one play later a bomb over the top and UNLV never looked back from that point on it turned into a whitewash Uh, the second half Idaho State did score a couple of unanswered uh, touchdowns but the game was in hand and they were both playing second stringers and everything else guys a couple of things um, that that I that I I did notice about this game is um, I noticed that UNLV were giving the quarterback more protection. It looks like the offensive line is a little bit better. Hard to tell on defense. Yes, they played really good at times. I think guys like Noel Williams, who is a multi-talented player, uh, runs back kicks and punts, uh, probably the best defensive player on this team right now, a cornerback, a guy that's got the most upside, I think. Uh, On the other side, Cam Oliver, a hard hitter, another good defensive cornerback. They've got a decent interior defense now but um when i say decent decent compared to what we've seen the last couple of seasons um an improved football team 
I am interested to see what they will do going forward. I like the running back position. I thought, man, you're losing Charles Williams, a guy who was one of the best running backs in the Mountain West Conference the last couple of years, and replacing him with a couple of guys we haven't heard of. Well, I liked what I saw at the running back position. A couple of guys that impressed me last uh, yesterday. But, um, again, things that I didn't like. Um I didn't like the second half. I didn't like them coming out so flat. And I don't care if you're playing your second string or whatever. It seemed like the like UNLV kind of went stagnant, especially in the third quarter. Those things can't happen. A good team will come back on you. I don't care how far behind they are. And I don't like that. I thought I saw I saw inconsistency in the play calling, but again, it's a big win as far as getting your first win and a 31 point victory is pretty damn good. We'll take that. Uh, Spencer, I don't know if you got a chance to see the game and watch your alma mater. I know both you and Magnum, uh, all matters. I saw Chris at the game last night. He was spotting for the radio team. Um, but I'll start with you, Spencer. This is a team this year, uh, really now, Regardless of the fact the first year was a pandemic for Marcus Arroyo, last year was kind of, uh, you know, you know, almost like uh, the first year, you know, because the pandemic was tough the way that year went. And then this year is really now kind of Marcus Arroyo's team. He talked about that a little bit in the press conference after the game. And this is kind of the way he started the press conference, talking about the game itself and uh, kind of his expectations for the team this year. That was the, uh, a good start uh, for our guys to come out of, out of training camp and to, uh, to get out there in week zero and compete. Uh, I think there's a, a lot of confidence, um, a lot of things that can be worked out and ironed out. Uh, some really good films going to be on, on, on display for us to, to be able to evaluate and uh, see where we're at collectively as a team. I think there's a lot of good things that we got done. I really enjoyed the efficiency in the first half and, and the way we threw the ball around, the way we moved. Uh, did a nice job on defense, stopping the run game. Uh, you know, that's what the, that they wanted to do. There, got to, uh, I thought we did a good job taking care of the football. You know, zero turnovers. I think it's a big deal. It's a big, big deal, especially in week one. I said that early on. Um, teams in the first week or two, they can take care of the football, tackle well, play good on special teams, march punt the ball well. Uh, you got a chance because there's going to be some adjustments and there's going to be some some errors uh, early on in the season uh, with everybody, unless you're a really, really veteran team. So, um, but there's a lot of good stuff we can build on. And I'm excited to see the film. Excited to. Go back to work. We got a week off, but again, it's a, it's a pro week for us in regards to how we gotta make sure we get focused and, and stay diligent to our process. And you know. I like what he had to say. It, it was good. You don't want to take too much credit or, you know, shine too much of a light on a win like that over a one-win team. And I thought he did a good job handling himself. Also, after the game, Brumfield, his first game back, uh, how did he feel after coming back and getting the start and knowing that he's got a guy that came in from Tennessee that a lot of people have talked about, a lot of excitement for this kid and um, for Bailey. Uh, and yet, Brumfield looks like he's going to get the starting job. The thing that bothered me a little bit is when Marcus Arroyo was asked about if Brumfield did enough to where he could say he is going to be our starting quarterback. He, it was almost a mockery. He kind of took his time. He looked at the statistics and then he started quoting the statistics. Like just say, yeah, you know what? He played a very efficient game. Um, no real mistakes. And he looked good. And uh, for sure he's starting next week. I mean, that was all that needed to be said, not to kind of pause and look at the statistics and, you know, kind of make it, well, the stats justify him starting next week no man his play and just the way he looked in his presence on the field justified him starting last week so I didn't like that a whole great deal but here's what Brumfield had to say after the game about his first start in quite a while it was 
very big, you know, just, just to have the offense get that confidence, momentum going into the game, you know. A lot of games we, we weren't able to do that. So just to come out this year and week one and execute like that is just is very big. That was big for him. And the one thing I did ask Marcus Arroyo after the game is um, – Actually, I didn't. I didn't ask Royal this after the game. Somebody else asked him about, you know, what what he looks to this team to accomplish this year. Uh, not going to play the clip of that, but when he was asked that question, I thought he really answered and kind of handled it well. Where he said, you know, the expectations this year are for his team to show up each week and compete. And as generic of an answer as that is. I really like that answer. I think that that's the proper answer to give about this team right now. And you do expect them. And next week's going to be a really challenge, even though Cal is not by any means a football team that they used to be. This program is definitely kind of in the doldrums right now. Uh, it's still a really good test for UNLV on the road against a Pac-12 team. That will be a bigger, stronger, more physical team. We'll see how UNLV can play, and I, th I think they do need to be able to compete with it. But um, one of the things that was kind of cool, you'll see in this real quick clip, Spence, you can go ahead and play it behind me. Uh, some free, uh, there were some free tickets given away yesterday to the UNLV game. And <laughs> see a lot of fans there which you don't expect but the field itself Spencer I think I sent you a still shot of the field for the UNLV game and if you can look uh, a lot was talked about Saturday after the Raiders game um, the preseason Raiders game on Saturday against the Patriots uh, I should say Friday night uh, the NFL came out and you heard on ESPN kind of joking about how bad the field was for the Raiders like it looked like a D2 college football field well it's real it's it's real grass. I mean, they take this outside. They take care of it. They treat it. I think the weather in Las Vegas, along with the fact they've let soccer the soccer games go on in that field, you either have to get a second turf and 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 raise two of them, or just go to the go, go to artificial turf, the new stuff. I mean, I just don't think it's going to work. It looked horrible, and because of the turnaround, you had the Raiders game Friday night, and then the UNLV game Saturday. They didn't want to remove the turf and put the fake turf in for UNLV, so all they did was paint the UNLV logo in the middle of the field and put a couple of Mountain West Conference logos on the field and let them play on the Raiders field, as you saw. But it was pretty bad. I mean, a lot of ground, bad areas, and they're going to have to do something. Because before the first regular season game at Allegiant Stadium, which will be in mid-September against the Arizona Cardinals. Got to fix it before then. That is a really bad representation of a field that is in one of the nicest stadiums in the country. So I know that they want to get that short up. And one other thing I'm going to complain about before we move on from UNLV, we'll see what happens. And that is something, guys. And uh, Chris, I'll ask your opinion on this. And Spencer, you can chime in as well. But, uh, you know, what really bugs me, and maybe it's just I'm making too much of it. You know, Chris, there is 101 numbers available. It's double zero and zero count. So 101 numbers available. Why the hell is it okay for guys on the same team to wear the same number that play? You want to give duplicate numbers to guys in home games because I know a ton of guys get to dress for the home games. Duplicate numbers of guys that will never see in the field. But when you have 101 numbers available, your star on offense is typically your quarterback, Brumfield. A lot of people, Caleb Herring, I talked to him yesterday. He'll be on the show in a couple weeks for our anniversary show. But you know what? You know, 
the, the, the star on defense, we believe, that has the biggest upside, and I mentioned him a little bit earlier, is Noel Williams. You've got your starting quarterback and your best player on defense wearing the same exact number. And ironically, on the front page of the sporting section of the RJ today, you've got Doug Brunfield running the football. Well, that could be Doug Brunfield or it could be Noah Williams because he returns punts. (laughs) I don't like it, Chris. I think that that's something college football needs to do away with. There's just no reason. Yeah, uh, we, we, we noticed with the Idaho State team, I think their punter and their number one receiver both wore number 10, which to me is like strange as well. Like, yeah, I'm going down. By the way, shout out to Idaho State because there's a kid from uh, Faith Lutheran who is a quarterback up there. And uh, obviously Faith Lutheran, a local school here in Summerlin. Um, I, I don't remember his first name. His last name is, I think, Groner. But for Sagan Groner, I think his name is. So very cool for them to put him in the game and, and have an opportunity to play at a Legion Stadium because – it's a quite it's quite a bit different than playing at the Kibbe Dome, which is where the Bengals play. Uh, it looks like a barn. So I, I used to live up in in Idaho Falls, so Pocatello, not too far from where I used to live. So uh, very cool for for them to put him in, even though they were getting blown out. Uh, so 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 tip of the hat to their coach for for doing that and giving that kid something he'll remember and his family will remember for the rest of their lives. Uh, but. Yeah, I the, the number thing kind of drives me nuts. It's like, look, you, first of all, you're right, Brian. There's a lot of guys who aren't going to play over the course of a game. And when you look, especially like 1 through 20, there's so many duplicate numbers. Um, uh, they they have a, a wide receiver, Weimer, number 6. Well, one, one of their defensive linemen, where's number 6? Now, you're never going to get those two guys confused. But when you're quickly looking at the roster, you're like, oh, Weimar with the – oh, wait a minute. That's not Weimar who's playing defensive line. But, yeah, it's one of those things. I, I think uh, Plant, Adam Plant, I think he wears number seven. I think there's another number seven out there as well. So, yeah, it's one of those things that I'll, I'll never understand. Uh, look, if you have more guys than you have jerseys, you probably have too many players. And I, I, I think that's just one of those weird, goofy things. By the way, speaking of goofy things – I texted you that you during the game, but how about that stupid rule in college football where you have Gutierrez who cough in corners, this great kickoff, and Idaho State downs the ball at the two-yard line. They're going to have to start from the two on a on a kickoff, but because the 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 the, the kick returner was able to stand out of bounds and touch the football and down it. They move the ball to the 35. It's a, it's an illegal procedure on UNLV. That's such a stupid penalty. I don't yeah, understand really, why yeah. why you would punish a, a, a team for for having a weapon like that at, on on kickoffs. It's a dumb rule. Who who thought of that? But real quick on, on UNLV, I thought that Doug Brumfield. Look, when we saw him play last year, they were a completely different team when when he was in there. I'll still never understand why he didn't start the Eastern Washington game because to me that's not even a contest if he starts that game. And and Marcus Royal would have started last season 1-0 as well. Uh, but look, Doug Brumfield is the guy. He's got a ton of weapons. Ricky White is is going to be an amazing player. I thought that, that uh, the running back from Louisville looked really good. Um, and look, they, they still have Kyle Williams – or, or, or some other really good wide receivers. I, I think this team offensively, as long as Doug Brumfield stays healthy and that's going to be on the offensive line to keep him protected, 
I think this team's going to be really exciting on offense. I have some concerns on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, Brian, I, I think when you mentioned Harrison Bailey coming in, the offense looking stagnant and flat, I'm, I'm going to give Harrison Bailey uh, a, a little bit of leeway here because Marcus Arroyo's offense is very complicated. Doug Brumfield and and um, uh, Friel, Cam Friel, both have an advantage over Harrison Bailey having been in the offense for now multiple seasons because that offense didn't look stagnant when Cameron Friel came in and went right down the field and scored a touchdown. And they probably could have scored another touchdown had they really wanted to there late in the fourth quarter. So I'm going to give Harrison Bailey a little bit of, 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 a, of, a, of a pass because I know the offensive is complicated. Um, you know, you mentioned Caleb Herring, it, and we, me and him talked. Obviously, I was in the booth with him and Russ yesterday. So having an opportunity to just talk with him and pick his brain is so cool because, you know, he, he's a guy who played. You know, he, he, he gets it. He can, he can analyze offenses better than anybody you and I know. So at least know personally. So to, to have that guy and, and to be able to ask him questions and learn things is so cool. And, you know, one of the things he told me was he really liked Doug Brumfield the, the COVID year when he redshirted. Um, so I, I, I think this is an offense that's going to be pretty good, Brian. And the question marks will be health, of course, as always, because Brumfield missed a ton of time last year, unfortunately. And I think the defensive, look, I, I, I'm not expecting them to go to South Bend and beat Notre Dame. I'm not expecting them to go to Cal and, and beat Cal. Look, it'd be great if they did because Cal isn't, isn't like you mentioned, they don't have, um, Aaron Rodgers slinging the ball around anymore. They don't even they don't even have Troy Taylor swinging the ball around anymore. So, um, look, I, I I think as long as prove to me that you can be competitive with those teams, go to Cal and give them a game, and then you get North Texas here. That's that's a big game for me because North Texas to me is one of those teams that UNLV is going to fight against for recruits because they they do recruit Texas pretty well, and this is a team that that traditionally has been a a pretty decent program there in Denton, Texas. They, they've committed a lot of money to the program. They play in a beautiful city. It's a great stadium. It's a great college. They have a lot of really cool things going on there. This is a, this is a peer for UNLV. The peer is not Arizona State. The peer is not USC. The peer is a school like North Texas. North Texas would come in the Mountain West and they would be very good in this conference. That's a team that you need to go out and you need to you need to beat. At home, no, I agree. I, I agree with you, and I think, like you said, uh, Cal's a, per, a good parameter because it's a Pac-12 school. The players are going to be bigger. If nothing else, it's going to be a bigger school. It's going to see how UNLV uh, has their first road game, and also UNLV's mentality. Even though it was Idaho State, you don't want to get overconfident. Hey, we blew this team out, so it's going to be interesting how Marcus Roy holds it together and what we're going to see with this team. But you, like you mentioned, they don't have Aaron Rodgers. They don't have Marshawn. Lynch. This is not a Cal team that that should give. Put it this way: UNLV. The expectation I think from all of us are for them to compete against Cal, for it to be a football game, and that to me a close game, a, a, a one maybe a two score game tops would be something that I think would bode well for UNLV going down the road. And guys, now talking about football, let's get into the Bones and the Raiders segment and talk about uh, what the Las Vegas Raiders have done. 4-0 in the preseason. I don't know if you want to start getting overly excited about that. I know of a couple other teams in recent history, one the Cleveland Browns and another my Detroit Lions in the past decade and a half that have gone 4-0 in the preseason, and both of them went 0-16 in the regular season. Uh, but then again, 
How about uh, the Ravens? We'll talk about that in a few minutes when we get to fact this. But um, but I don't know how great that is. But after the game, listening to Josh McDaniel talk about uh, the Raiders, uh, the preseason, what he thinks of what they've done this year so far, and here's what he had to say after the game. Coach, preseason, you've seen this team now four games. Anything that you are pleasantly surprised by and anything that you are maybe surprised in a not-so-pleasant way? No, um, you know, I see them every day, so surprise is really a tough thing to, to do when you're, when you're with them all the time. Um, they work hard. Um, they work extremely hard, and they give us everything we ask for. Um, I think the feeling in the locker room, the way that it started to develop with our leadership, um, and the guys, the, 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 the way they support one another on and off the field. Uh, it's just a, it's tremendous for us to see that every day. And um, that's what we do when we come out and compete too. So um, we're not perfect, we're far from it. Uh, but I think this group really, the way they work um, is, gonna, is gonna, we're heading in the right direction and I feel good about the way we're working out. <clears throat> Yeah, I think that that he, they are headed in the right direction. I think that um, 4-0 for him is good. Uh, it was good for them to spend all week practicing with the New England Patriots. You got a guy like Bill Belichick. You see a very fundamentally sound football team because that's uh, what Bill Belichick demands. Um, I was hoping to get a chance to uh, hear the GOAT talk after the game. Went down there in the press conference, but the cool thing is they do play the Patriots uh, during the regular season at Allegiant Stadium, so I'll get that opportunity then. You know what I I say with Bill Belichick, I was telling some of the guys in the press box, you're going down to the press conference. Oh, you know, it's a preseason game. First of all, I wanted to go down to bring some material for the show. But secondly, um, you know, the opportunity to hear Bill Belichick. I have never been in a press conference with Bill Belichick in the past. And, um, you know, the truth of the matter is the guy has enough money to retire now and take care of his family for the next five to 10 generations. Uh, he's done everything and accomplished everything you could, uh, you could possibly accomplish at the absolute highest level. Very few people would argue that he is the greatest of all time, the goat when it comes to NFL coaches. So who's to say at the end of this season, he won't just say, ah, I'm ready. And, and and who's to say it won't he won't play he won't coach for another ten years? You just don't know. So right now that we have an opportunity to check this guy out in Vegas, I'll tell you what: if I could go to one game this year, most people would say, "Oh, for sure the Chiefs, or for sure the Chargers, or even the Broncos with Russell Wilson." Yeah, those are all really intriguing matchups. I'd still pick the Patriots game this year because how often are you going to get to see the goat? And when is there going to be the next GOAT, the guy that will become the greatest of all time after Bill Belichick? That might not be for seven or eight generations. It might be, you know, who knows what a football will even be like then. This is an opportunity to see the greatest of all time at his craft. And uh, I don't care what kind of team the Patriots put on the field. It is still extremely cool to be out there. And I'll tell you, you know, and I mentioned it last, last week uh, when I went on one of my Lions rants, you know, you look at, you know, you hear the Lions rebuilding and a lot of people are drinking the Dan Campbell Kool-Aid. And all I do is I point to Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Love them, hate them, it doesn't matter. You know what? They lose Tom Brady. They decide they're going to try to replace him with Cam Newton, a former NFL MVP and a guy that led his team to a Super Bowl. And he doesn't pan out. He doesn't work out. Tom, Bill Belichick makes no no qualms, no doesn't wait, goes out the next season, drafts a quarterback in the first round, a guy that the quarterback, the last one of the quarterbacks that were coming out in the first round that everyone thought might have a chance to be decent. And what does he do as a rookie? 
gets his kid to take his team to the playoffs. Two years removed from Tom Brady, the Patriots go back to the playoffs. Yeah, they didn't fare well in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, Mac Jones might have looked like a little bit of a fish out of water in the postseason. It doesn't matter. Bill Belichick found a way to plug and play with that team and put put them in a position to win enough games to win their division and go back to the playoffs. You know, now you got Buffalo, who's going to be a juggernaut in the AFC East for a while, it looks like, with Josh Allen and the skill set they have there. But please don't take credit away from Bill Belichick at all and what he's done with this team. And if you get a chance to see the master at his craft, why wouldn't you do that? So, again, that'd be the game I would choose this year. But as far as the Raiders go, I'm pleasantly surprised. Spence, I'm going to let you chime in on this one real quick. Four preseason games. You heard what Josh McDaniel had to say after the game about the surprises. It was a politically correct answer, but I don't think you are surprised by anything as a coach. I think you know what's going on. I think if you're looking at surprise players, a guy like Tyron Johnson, who I thought has done really well in the in the preseason, I think he has definitely earned himself as a number two, not the number two wide receiver on this team. It's obviously going to be Devontae Adams, number two, will without question be Hunter Renfro, and then you still got the option of you know Darren Waller, who who not only is one of the greatest tight ends in the game, but now a power couple with Kelsey Plum. Talk about being jealous of a dude. But um, still, Johnson is going to be an option for this team. We see that he's got a pretty good skill set. And I got to tell you, on the defensive side, Butler, Darian Butler, a small, undersized linebacker, has really shown me he has the moxie to play this game at the highest level. Those are two guys and surprises that have stood out for me. What have you liked and not liked so far this year? Well, the the one thing that uh, I can say about Tyler Johnson that really, truly is impressive is uh, as soon as he got we got cut in terms of uh, – and besides Byron Pringle, who got picked up immediately the day they released him. So that has to tell at least some signal that the guy they released has so much interest that he gets picked up the next day and we keep this other guy. But the one thing I'll just quickly say, because I know we're kind of against time, is you talked about Bill Belichick and how impressive it was to bring Mac Jones to the playoffs. Well, who designed the offense for him? Josh McDaniels. I mean, as much as Bill Belichick obviously gets the credit, I think Josh McDaniel deserves just as equal. The one thing that I really have noticed about preseason, and there really never is too many takeaways from it because it's just kind of an exhibition, is how impressive that every single quarterback who has stepped up in that offense has looked. No matter what it is, it is still football, right? This guy named Garbers, who I've never heard of, has a great game yesterday. And obviously Stidham was already familiar with the offense. But Nick Mullins was so good, they picked him up free agency and traded him away. That's just a free draft pick for some guy who And the Vikings the jumped on him. He had just played against the Vikings in the preseason game, and they jumped on him to be back up for, for so, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, when you look at the preseason, that's what's so impressive, that Josh McDaniels has such a good offensive system that you can just pick up anybody and they can make them look good in a preseason game. You know, listening to Spencer give props to a Raiders head coach before the season starts, I don't think it's the four preseason wins. I think there's excitement, and I think Spencer actually speaks for a lot of Raider fans out there. There is optimism, and it's funny because the odds makers have no optimism. They've got the Chiefs winning the AFC West, the Chargers finishing second, and they've got the Broncos at plus 1,700, and yet, the Raiders are plus 4,000. Figure, go figure that out. I, I do not have the Raiders finishing behind the Denver Broncos. I don't care that Russell Wilson went to the Broncos. I think the Raiders are a better team than them. And I think three teams make the payout playoffs from the AFC West. I really do. I think the AFC West looks really, really tough this year. And I'm excited to see. And, hey, you get all those teams coming to town throughout the course of the season. You know, actually, how cool is that? Well, time to cut down to the 53-man roster by Tuesday. Going to be interesting to see what happens with that one. I want to move on, those. Spencer, because still more football to talk to. Go ahead and hit it. 
Facts this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. The last time the Ravens lost a preseason game was in 2015 when the team's current star quarterback, Lamar Jackson, was still in his freshman year at Louisville. Preseason wins by the Green Bay. You know, and, and, and the bottom line is, is um, this fact means that yesterday the Ravens extended their preseason winning streak to 23 games. Uh, the closest streak to this was 19 straight preseason wins by the Green Bay Packers from 1959 to uh, 1962. So how important has winning preseason games become to the Ravens? I mean, Spencer, you wouldn't want to be the player that co- causes them to lose their next preseason game, would you? Well, okay, before I answer that, I, all I want to say is this, and it is somewhat impressive, obviously, because it is a winning streak. But do you, I bet you, do you know what Lamar Jackson wants more than another preseason win? Probably a top 15 wide receiver. I'm sure he's begging for that to be the case. So, I don't know. It, it's so hard to say, right? It's like, how how can you be mad at somebody winning? But, like, how excited can you really be about it at the same time? No, you, you got a good point. Like I said, it's the preseason. It's garbage to me. I'll I'll say it's garbage ever since the Lions went 0-16 after going 4-0 in the preseason that year. All kinds of excitement. And they laid a tremendous egg. So the Raiders aren't going 0-16. Let me tell you that right now. As a matter of fact, I will be, I'll tell you right now, I will be personally shocked if the bulk of this team stays healthy. That's the key. If the bulk of this team stays healthy and they lose more than seven games, I'll be shocked. I don't care how strong their their record is. Spencer's shaking his head. The odds makers shake their heads. I say, look at the skill set of this team. The biggest question marks on this team, and they're important question marks. Will the offensive line come together? Will a guy like Alex Leatherwood turn into the player they'd hoped he is when they picked him with their first pick last season in the draft? Will uh, the defensive backfield, will Nate Hobbs be enough to get this young defensive backfield confident? Is Abrams finally going to step up and be a solid NFL defensive back at the safety position? Those are, to me, the questions. But as far as the skilled position goes on this Raiders team, I challenge you to tell me one team that has that far better of a skilled position core than the Raiders. Now, granted, you might find some teams as good. I'm not going to say that, but that much better. Darren Waller is your starting tight end. Devontae Adams is your number one wide receiver. Hunter Renfro as your slot starting slot receiver. Josh Jacobs is your starting running back along with the stable. And Derek Carr, who I'll argue with anyone, is a top 10 quarterback right now in the National Football League. Top 12 at worst. And you're going to tell me that is not as good of a skill set at skilled positions as there is in the National Football League right now. And not to mention a team, by the way, that went to the postseason and stood toe-to-toe with the team that ended up representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. Um, Spencer, I don't know what to say about that, but I would say that that you've got to give some credit where credit is due. And this Raiders team should have success this year. I'll just say this very quickly. The answer to those original questions you said is no. Alex Leatherwood might be cut. He's played so badly, he genuinely might not make the team. You're right. And that could be a statement. Nate Hobbs was an undrafted free agent last year. If he leads a defensive backfield, Nate Hobbs, 
he's like almost a bona fide Hall of Famer at that point. I've never seen an undrafted free agent go into year two and lead a defense. He looks really good, Spencer. <laughs> he does, but come on, Brian. When was the last time you've ever seen that in any position in football? Undrafted pre agent? No, you rarely, rarely see so, it. I'm going to grant you, but I, last I year. I can't deny, I will not deny that we have some of the best players at skills position in the NFL. There's no denying that. It's just that. The defensive backfield, the offensive line are going to be bad. There's no doubt. You can't, there's no other two ways to spin it. It's whether or not the rest of the skill positions are so good that they can make up for how bad that those two places are on the offense and defense. I'm not going to argue with you. And, uh, but I do, and back to the original fact this, it is hugely important. And I've listened to some tape now on the Ravens uh, winning and continue to win in the preseason. They want to keep doing it. They don't want this thing to end. Uh, other than that, real quickly, just around the NFL real quick, I was going to have more talk. We don't have much time about this. Uh, what's going to happen? How's Tua going to do in Miami? Well, we'll talk more about that maybe next week. Um, also, Russell Wilson in Denver. Can he bring them back? We mentioned it briefly. I'm interested in seeing what Matt Ryan's going to do in Indy. Carson Wentz will lay an egg in Washington. Trust me on that. And fantasy talk, man. Just do me a favor. It's funny. I'm listening to all these fantasy owners right now talk about players they're going to pick. And one guy that is not mentioned like as being a top five fantasy pick by a lot of my friends is a guy like Christian McCaffrey. I don't know how because he's been hurt the last couple of years. This guy is one of the most versatile two-way running backs in the National Football League. His, his upside is tremendous. Yes, he has been hurt, but he is a big, strong kid. Do not sleep on McCaffrey draft guys. He still, to me, should be a one or two in every fantasy draft out there that weights heavily on running backs. And finally, guys, we're just about out of time. Can't end this without talking about the Las Vegas Aces. And Spencer, play this real quick. Josh Daniels, after the, the Raiders game on Friday night, congratulating Becky Hammonds and the Aces team. Congratulations to Becky Hammond, uh, coach of the year. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, again, just trying to uh, we're following them, and I know they're following us, and I think that's really cool for this this city, this state, um, to have you know a team like that uh, being able to compete. And uh, we're wishing them luck. We're with them all the way for sure. So. Yeah, and he's with them all the way. Of course, uh, Raiders owner Mark Davis also owns the Las Vegas Aces, who will tip off today at 1 o'clock against the Seattle Storm in the WNBA semifinals. They were the best team in the regular season. They earned that honor in the last week of the regular season. And two candidates for league MVP, both Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum, being considered, I think, somehow, uh, it's either going to be Brianna Stewart or maybe even Candace Parker. Candace Parker, unbelievable job for the Chicago Sky this year. And Brianna Stewart, just one of the most talented women to ever play uh, women's basketball. She's incredible, but um, it's tough, man. Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum, any one of those four deserve it. And uh, just real quickly, Spencer, you got about uh, maybe 30 seconds to tell me what you think. I think this is the year Las Vegas gets their first professional championship and it's going to be the las vegas aces that deliver it i hope so and when i get over being sick i will be there personally to view it so hopefully i get to see them raise a trophy in las vegas next week we'll be giving away a twosome to the nfl grudge match that'll take place the 17th of september right before the raiders host the the cardinals it'll be that weekend great opportunity and we'll be giving away a twosome next week on the show and also the aviators in town one more game tonight against uh, one of my favorite names in all of the sports, the Sugarland Space Cowboys, and then they go on the raid for 12 before they come back for their final 12 home season games. Uh, that is the Las Vegas Aviators. We get out to see them tonight at the ballpark. Aces tipping off at the Michelob Alt Arena, Mandalay uh, Bay Event Center.